I'm Michael Hayward, host of Coach on Your Shoulder, a podcast where we speak with executive coaches about how they help their clients work through business and leadership challenges just like yours. This week, we have the second part of a conversation with Emily Doyle of the Surefire Way, a coaching practice based on her experience as a Chief Human Resources Officer. She brings a great perspective for leaders that emphasizes what I think of as a back-to-basics approach for leaders so they can be present, curious, and become more effective every day. In the second episode, we're really going to focus on one of the things I understand is core to the way you coach, and that's ensuring that executives are present throughout the day and are curious about what's happening with the people that they work with. We spend so little time being in the present moment and so much time thinking about all the things that are coming next. Mm -hmm. And that leads us to behaviors like constantly looking at our phone to either see what message is coming up or looking at our calendars constantly through the day Yes, and thinking about how am I getting ready for the next thing that I need to do. In the meantime, Mm -hmm. somebody's talking to you. We are very easily distracted as a society, and we're in a moment where we're being notified constantly about things. And what's at risk there is not only being perceived as someone who doesn't listen and doesn't care, which is a huge problem, but it precludes you from celebrating maybe something that was accomplished Because, okay, we did that, but now we're on to the next thing. And I've worked for many leaders that there was such a run-up to a milestone that needed to be met, a project that needed to be completed, a sign-off that needed to occur, and you get it, and it's, okay, now how are we going to do that again next month? And it's demoralizing, right? Because is it ever going to be good enough is what you're left feeling. I think, too, this so much focus on the future and not in the present creates a situation where the way that our brains work is you can't be curious either Mm -hmm. because you're not fully locked in and engaged on the conversation. So how can you have any level of curiosity around what's actually going on and maybe who's in front of you and what they need? So I think there's a tie Mm. between being present and being able to be curious. Yeah. And it's hard to really get a deeper understanding of what's happening if you're not present, right? Um, I I will admit that I have been in meetings and meetings are too long. This is part of the problem, right? Mm -hmm. So you get 10 people around a table, the meeting's going on for a really long time. I know I wander and I start thinking Mm -hmm. of what's the next thing or what's another thing, or I'm on a related topic in my head. And then I hear somebody say, that's a really good point. And I'm like, damn, if only I'd known what the really good point was, maybe I would contribute a little bit more effectively. Yes. So tell me a little bit about how you coach a person to be more present. Yeah. First and foremost, there has to be a desire to be present, right? (laughs) Acknowledging these are the things that are getting in the way of being present. And by not being present, I'm therefore not curious. So these are the things that are getting in the way. A lot of it is technology. It really is. I've coached people to not bring their phones into a meeting. I've coached people, if you can, to close your laptop, right? So it's very tactical coaching in a way, but it's also 
a mindset. And that mindset shift is I'm not going to be thinking about what I'm going to say next, or I'm not going to be thinking about what I'm doing tonight with friends. I'm going to be in the moment. And I've even coached people to do a little breathing exercise when they get into a meeting to just block the distractions out. And I do think that there's a way to hone in on what is being said. It might be note-taking. Note-taking is the big one to stay focused on what is actually happening, minimizing your neighbor talking and all of that. These are all mm. tactics, but nonverbals are huge. If you're in a one-to-one -one meeting with someone and you're looking at your phone, you're looking at a screen, you're looking at the clock, you're doing everything but looking at them and, and hearing them and actively listening, that's going to have a negative impact. We're all intelligent adults. We know when someone's paying attention to us or not. So there's small things, but there are things that I think people overlook because it's become part of how we're living now to be in this distracted state. I'm really keen to get your take on what we should be more aware of and where do we find it easier to start? Is a one-on-one -on -one conversation an easier place to mm -hmm. try something or is it that larger meeting? What's something that we can start with? I love your methodical way of, okay, how can we work on this right away? And I think you got to start small because in a one-to-one, -one, your bad, distracted behavior is a lot more obvious mm -hmm. than you can hide in a meeting of 10 people, right? A conversation can go along without you being fully dialed in. But in a one-to-one, -one, it's start there. I think make eye contact, use the tactics that you know of active listening. Repeat back, ask clarifying questions. You said this, but what I think I'm interpreting is this, or is that what you meant? And I would say in a one-to-one -one setting, have some questions prepared. Make sure that it's a two-way dialogue, which in a meeting, there's four and five-way dialogues going on. To me, it seems simpler to start in a one-to-one. -one. You're 100% right that it's more obvious if you're not present when you're in a one-to-one -one conversation, right? But I'm also curious about if it's the person who's more senior in the hierarchy that tends to be the one distracted in the one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. meeting. That's a really interesting exercise to flip it and think about, have you ever been in a one-to-one -one meeting where somebody who reported directly to you was distracted? So the answer to that is, I definitely have had one-to-one -one meetings where the person wasn't noticeably distracted. They weren't looking at their phone and they weren't mm -hmm. looking away. They had good body language, but they were filtering. Okay. Explain that. That's the word that came to mind. They wanted to talk about something, but they didn't feel like they could bring it to the meeting. And so they're holding back. So that's a form of distraction because they're not actually saying what it is that they need to say or they want to say. And then, of course, as a leader, you have to ask yourself, what's going on with this person? They don't seem to be able to articulate what's going on with them. And so then as the leader, being curious is important because you've got to ask questions. That's an insight that I'm just having in real time here is why would somebody feel the need to filter? in a one-to-one, -one, but different types of distractions depending on the circumstance. Yeah. So the power relationship definitely 
would have an effect on what kind of distraction. But you're right. I think that's a great example of we might automatically think that it's the senior person in the hierarchy who has the attention issue in a one-on-one. But if I interpret that filtering, it's that I've got something on my mind that I want to address with you, but there's something wrong in our relationship that's making it so that I don't feel safe actually saying it to you. Is there anything you can do about that? My take on that would be, and I have said this in the past, it seems like you want to tell me something or you want to get into a conversation. I'm open to it. If you've got something on your mind that you want to talk about, even if it has to do with something that I'm doing wrong or it's a way that I'm making you feel, right? So welcoming, trying to welcome the conversation is mm-hmm. is a good way to try. But personally, you have to reflect on what are the dynamics that have been created that the person doesn't feel like they can share what it is. And sometimes it isn't necessarily about the leader. Maybe it has to do with something that's going on where maybe they don't want to break somebody's trust or who knows what could be going on. But as a leader, the more that you can call out what you believe is actually happening as opposed to just remaining silent about it. If you notice something and you notice somebody's holding back, don't be silent about it put it out there. Yeah. At least make the invitation. So there could be some pretty profound things and just saying, oh, is there anything else we should talk about? Might not be the right introduction. Would that we could all live in a world where you could say to a person, honestly, I've got some other stuff that's going on that's really got me distracted. And what would be best is if we could defer this conversation so I could deal with that and then Mm -hmm. come back and be fully present Mm -hmm. for what we need to talk about. But that doesn't happen very often. That's very eloquent. I feel like I, I need to write those <laughs> word for word because there's no disclosure in that. Mm-hmm. It's very graceful to just say, I need a minute. I need a moment because I'm distracted. I think every human being, regardless of what level of the organization you are, human beings understand prioritization or we hope they do. Mm-hmm. And some things just need to take precedence. So we think about being present. You also talk about being curious. So tell me about curiosity and and what does that look like? What should we be doing differently than we typically do today in the business setting? I can tell you from personal experience, probably some of the biggest professional mistakes I've made is because I just tear off and go after something without having asked the right questions beforehand. Who's involved? What's the problem? Who needs to be consulted? How might we go about solving this? Especially earlier in my career, I'd say, I know what's going on. I got it. Right. I know who I know who to call. I know who to pull in. I've seen this before. And mm-hmm. it's this and this, and we're going to go after it. And come to find out, you didn't ask the right question. You didn't pull the right people. So speed and, and pace and lack of curiosity has been my enemy. So I think the important point there is no assumptions. Even if you think you know, just pause and validate. Is this what's going on? What I'm sensing is this, but can you clarify that? There's no mm-hmm. harm. There's absolutely no harm in asking the next question to get you, number one, a clearer picture of what's really going on or what's really needed. Yes. There are two things that come to mind. One is that at points in our career, we're sometimes rewarded for being quick. 
quick with an answer, quick with a solution. Of course, as we get more senior, what we really need to understand is that the people that we're talking to actually can solve many of the problems we're facing better than we can. Yes. So stop and let them propose the solution. We don't have the patience to wait for them. Yep. It's like when you are at a game show and you cut off the question because you're mm-hmm. so sure you have the answer. Yeah. And then when you hear the rest of the question, you're like, oh, oh. I guess that's why mm-hmm. I didn't give it the answer. So it forks in two ways. One is we have to be patient. And two is that as managers, we are also coaches. And when we find that one of our team has a particularly long-winded way mm-hmm. of getting to it, it's okay, let me work with you on this. Mm-hmm. We talked about this dynamic that when a CEO gets to the spot that they're in, a lot of times they've found that success because they've got great ideas and they know how to assess the situation and they know how to act on the situation. But the importance of enrolling your team, right? Mm -hmm. And in order to truly be curious and to learn from your team, you have to be present. So you can't have one without the other, essentially. There's value in staying open because every CEO probably came up in that business through a particular branch. They were finance or operations or some organizational silo or structure. Therefore, they're not experts in every part of the organization. But the curiosity of it is every time one of your expert team members has a good idea, you want to be open to it Mm -hmm. and you want to spend some time listening to it to understand it. So if I'm hearing you correctly, one of the things about being present in the business context is listening fully and thoughtfully as opposed to waiting to speak. Because you know that if you're sitting there poised, waiting for an intake of breath from another person so you can begin saying what you want to say, you're clearly not listening to what's happening. I'll start with what I've seen in my coaching practice, starting with a CEO who knows academically that they need to enroll their team and knows that they need to be listening to their team and says all of the right things about leveraging everybody's expertise. But when I drill in a bit as a coach and say, okay, walk me through what some of the questions are that you ask your team. And it's not necessarily that I get crickets, but they're just not there. So I do think there's this, there's a bit of a dynamic of I'm hearing everybody out, but I'm not actually internalizing what's being said and processing it into a question to dig deeper. The conversation's happening, but they're not really listening and processing what they're hearing. They're just letting it happen. They're letting it happen because they know the right thing to do is to let everybody have a voice in the room. Mm -hmm. But the authentic problem-solving process has to truly involve everyone. There's the adage, listen more than you speak. But there's also the next step of actually building on one person says something, another person says something, and then, okay, now we're rolling and we've actually got a plan in place. So your question to me was, what's the benefit of that? It has everything to do with building trust on the team, empowering others to get the work done. Plus, who wants to bear the burden of all of the work? If that's the case, just be a solopreneur. The concept of teamwork is there for a reason so that you're sharing, you're getting the best 
ideas from the most diverse group of people, and therefore that creates innovations. As I dig in with some of my clients, I'm discovering that in practice, they know to listen and they know to let everyone add, but then what do you do with it? What do you do with the additions that you're getting from the team? A number of questions come to mind to split that off. So I'm going to ask you two questions that are related to that, especially if you're a leader of a group. Where do you stop listening and being curious and start teaching that group how you want them to contribute to these outcomes? Because as the CEO, you might have the ability to synthesize a solution faster because you're more exposed to all of their areas than any one of them is. So you can see it in a way that they can. Mm-hmm. And second is, like, do you do that in person or do you do that as a group? Where and how do you identify when your coaching of one person comes up against the barrier of, we're going to have to coach the whole group here? So there's a lot of organizational psychology in there to dig into. My belief is that business is a team sport. I don't like the idea of being in a team meeting and there's a concept that's being built on one person saying something, another person's adding on, and it seems to be going in the right direction. Something new is being formed. And then the meeting ends and side conversations start happening. And maybe even decisions start happening between one or two or three people and the rest of the team is excluded. Mm -hmm. This happens a lot, whether you're coming up against time in the meeting or the priority shift or whatever it is. But I like the idea of bringing a concept to a conclusion as the team, because I think it's a little bit dangerous when you go off into an echo chamber and then it can create a lot of confusion with the team. So that's one way to think of it. When should the CEO feel satisfied with, I've gotten all of the team's input around this particular topic, and now we're going to make a decision? I think that can happen with the team. Again, whether they're introverted, extroverted, if they need some time to back off and think about it for a while, that doesn't necessarily matter. What matters is that the input's been there and everyone's been heard. and it actually translates, people can recognize their ideas in that decision or in that conclusion. It doesn't matter if it happens there in the room or off, but the importance is that people recognize their contributions in the outcome. Right. It must be really important if you're coaching a leader to help them recognize the difference between taking in the information and using that to synthesize a solution or sometimes choose amongst alternatives. So sometimes you have to just make the choice. And that's what the CEO's job can be. This is the way we're going. I don't think the goal should be consensus. If consensus occurs, that's awesome. But it shouldn't be the goal to get everyone to agree. The goal is what's the best outcome for the organization. The code that we often used in a couple of executive teams was, We can disagree as much as we want in the room, but when we walk out of the room, we're all on one page. Yep. How have you dealt with somebody who thinks they're taking in input, but what they're really doing is allowing everybody to speak and then they make the decision they were going to make anyway? Now, how do you help a person who's not yet aware of that behavior? Yeah, I've seen it so many times. 
I'm thinking of one situation in particular with a president that I worked with who did this a lot. And what ended up happening with that team was really two things. One, people stopped contributing their ideas mm -hmm. because they were like, what's the point? Anytime I contribute, he's already figured out what he's going to do next. The other was just a lack of action from the team because what they suggested wasn't being followed. And so mm -hmm. now they're going to resist what the ultimate action was. So you've either got a complete shutdown disengagement or you've got people who are actively resisting, neither of which is good. And ultimately, that creates enough of a pain point for a senior leader to think about doing that differently next time mm -hmm. because you're unable to yeah. get the team to engage at that point if that's how you're going to run things. Right. I've definitely been there where you feel like it's lip service, right? Mm -hmm. When it works, though, when a leader is truly in the moment, asking good questions, taking in that input, using that to craft a better solution than the one that they maybe came into the room with. Mm -hmm. How does that play out? How do you see the positives and how do you reinforce that? It's lightning in a bottle, right? Personally, if I'm contributing and my idea is taken seriously or my idea causes a shift in direction or a shift in focus, and I actually feel heard and validated, like I'm unstoppable. I'm wanting to run out of the room and get things going and engage my team and engage others. So I've seen it personally. I know what it does for me. And I've seen it across an executive team where it's, wow, we just came up with that. We came in thinking that we were going to end up with this solution, but we, we found something else that is going to make a lot more sense. There's energy, there's positivity, there's trust built. It's good stuff. It bonds the team, I think, in a way. Mm -hmm. For sure, you'll see in much more engagement around the table. You'll see much more commitment, especially if it's a decision that requires a team to do something or refocus their efforts in some yeah. way. You really have two positive outcomes. If you engage your team and if you are curious with your team and you let the solution come from the group, not only are you getting a better solution and a more innovative solution, but you have built the team. You have strengthened the team. So it's mm -hmm. two outcomes versus one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Why don't we wrap up this section with some tips and tricks on how you actually can be more curious and how you can listen more effectively in one-on-ones or in meeting sessions. What would you coach a person to do to say, improve these things and you'll raise your game. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this, but it's really important to not be distracted. So, so phones away, technology shut off, stop your notifications and really take a minute to be present in what's happening around the table. Notice things. And once you've got that listening squared away, I think it's about possibly even having some questions prepared that you are going to ask follow-up questions. So ask the next question is, is the point. If there's anything uncertain in your mind, don't leave it uncertain. Get clarity and allow that person to further explain their thoughts so that you can 
the room can benefit from it as well as the leader in the room. Those are probably the biggest things is, again, they work in tandem, being present and, and listening, but also ask the next question and see what gets uncovered. Undoubtedly. There was one that I learned, nature abhors a vacuum, teams abhor silence. <laughs> if you could just will yourself not to talk for a moment, yep. somebody else will, and you'll find out what you need to know. Love that. Okay. Thank you for that. I think we could spend probably another hour talking about the real world things that happen in boardrooms and team meetings. I think the point is being present and curious comes down to making good decisions. All right. Thank you very much, Emily. My pleasure. You've been listening to Coach on Your Shoulder. I'm Michael Hayward. Coach on Your Shoulder is a weekly podcast that you can subscribe to at all the finest podcast outlets. Coach on Your Shoulder is co-produced by Melissa Simmons of Luminology. If you have questions about finding a coach or how you can get the most of a coaching relationship, drop us a line. We always love to hear from listeners like you.